Hey there, listeners. We know that you are all over the world. Uh, In fact, I'm kind of concerned about the number of you who have tweeted that the podcast is helping you with your English. I am so sorry for the vocabulary words you are learning from us. Anyway, I wanted to let you know that if you or any of your friends are in L.A. on February 13th, I will be performing a show that Jen and I actually created together. I've reimagined it a little bit. The show is called How to Break Up by Text, and a panel of comedians will be performing real text breakups submitted by the audience. It's going to be a very fun anti-Valentine's Day special. Uh, You can also submit your text breakups for inclusion in the show. Text me at 818-392-4759. You can also tweet your screenshots to at Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D, but please blur those numbers. This is a public service, not a public shaming. Anyway, I hope to see you at the show. Please visit howtobreakupbytext.com and you can use the discount code 2G1P. I hope to see you there. You're listening to Two Girls, One Podcast, America's number one broadcast for dating advice. And by dating advice, we mean how to respond to Craigslist misconnections without getting arrested. And now, here are your favorite love gurus, Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Chamula. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. As you all know, Allie and I are performers who for many years used the internet as a script in our show, Blogologues. That was a live comedy show. From there, we wanted to meet the people behind the posts. So we created Two Girls, One Show, a web series that you could find on Hoo-Ha-Ha, where we interviewed uh, people from the internet and went on scripted adventures. And now we are doing Two Girls, One Podcast. It's behind the scenes interviews, meeting people from the internet uh, who are part of different communities or involved in some sort of phenomena that we find fascinating. So welcome, everybody. So today we are talking with a woman, uh, a very renowned person. Um, She's a professor, a futurist, and an author. And she has an incredible story from a number of years ago about how she hacked online dating. Um, So we're going to talk to her. She wrote a book about it, and she has a whole TED Talk it's called How I Hacked Online Dating. <laughs> um, and her name is Amy Webb, and we're really excited to meet her. So she hacked into Tinder. That's that's illegal. <laughs> I didn't know we had a, a fugitive on the show. Well, more specifically. Sit down, Matthew, but also that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> she took data points and basically like gamed the system from her end of it using data to figure out how she could make the most of the experience. Is that a fair way to describe it, Allie? Yeah, yeah, I think so. No, but uh, but Matt, I did think that when I first heard about it, that she like literally like hacked it and had like bots going for her. But no, it's just like <laughs> she optimized it. That You know what I mm-hmm. mean? So yeah, mm-hmm. in, in a kind of manual way, but we'll ask her about it. Shout out to listener David Wolfpov, who suggested this show topic to us via Twitter. So David, thank you so much. And yeah. all of y'all keep suggesting topics. Please tweet mm-hmm. us. I'm at Allie Gold. I'm at June Bugger. So we're talking to someone who... who you know, hacked the system and did in fact meet her husband that way. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I know. But she has some very interesting insights about the kinds of information that we're putting out there, even the wording, the word choice, the length of your information, the things that you should show. Um, And I believe her. So 
Yeah, I'm really – so if you're looking for tips, stay tuned. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, and we'll get into this. My my takeaway here that I love is like she identified through data that the algorithms that apps like Tinder use to match people are like pretty much bullshit. And yeah. she did re reverse engineered it, let's say, reverse engineered a dating algorithms to get precisely the uh, the match she was looking for. Her whole thing is like – you know, everyone says, oh, you're too picky, too picky. And her thing is like, be pickier, which I love. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I lately have been like, maybe I need to be more open-minded. Maybe I need to give people more of a chance. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I don't know. Then again, she met her match this way. So she's right and I'm wrong. <laughs> I got to be pickier. It's fascinating. So Ali, are you currently, are you online dating now or have you, you're taking a break? I, I am, but I, I quit the apps again uh, last week. So... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so you are online dating, but no apps. So that means just Craigslist. Yep, just Craigslist. You know, I haven't tried Craigslist. Free stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's terrible. So I'll get my bed. Um, yeah. No, I think. Yeah. No. Well, I used to joke. Jen was like big into Facebook Messenger. That's how she got her dates. Well, no. I mean, like I did go on a date as recently as last week, but after that one, I deleted the app. I was like, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> because it was so bad no he was actually great he wasn't interested in me and i was like i can't I, this is like such a you know it's just so much time like i've like it's literally so so many hours spent swiping texting planning a time to meet getting ready going and meeting i spent three hours with him because i thought we were having a good time <laughs> and at the end he was like let's hang out again next week so i was like okay you know they they all act like they're having a good time on the date and then you know, this, the story's boring. Some of my stories are very good. This one's boring, but like long story short, he's not interested. And I'm like, okay, that was just like so much life wasted. Like I'd right. rather be reading. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be doing anything else. I, you know, I live in California. I could be at the beach. Like I could be, you know, I should make my dates at the beach. All my dates should be daytime at the beach. So I'll be like, well, it was daytime and I was at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say who this is specifically, but I have a friend who has started a spreadsheet for her dates because mm -hmm. I think she's been on 80 plus dates since she's been in New York, which now has been about two years, maybe a little bit more. And uh, well, 80, 80 different people. So maybe multiple dates with some of them. Um, I need to see if there were specific data points she was keeping, but basically like recently when I saw her, she's definitely still dating. She hasn't found the one. And she said it really comes down to that intangible like spark issue for her that like I don't think out of those 81 people she's met anyone yet that she feels like she has very good chemistry with. And so, that's the dilemma yeah. with the data point method, right? Is that you there's you can't account for like pheromones or like so many people end up with someone great for them, but it's not who they expected. Yeah, totally. What is your friend's spreadsheet? What, what is her goal with the spreadsheet though? I mean, because she's clearly like, oh, waiting for the spark, but does the spreadsheet help her or uh, what I is it for? So great question. I think first of all, it was just to calm her anxiety around the the idea that she'd been on so many dates. She was like, I need to just start writing who these people are, how many keep, days we went on. track. Yeah, just keeping track. Yeah, so she's I wish like, I'd done that. Like the number yeah. of people I've met that I don't even remember. So she can just say, hey, I've been on 81 dates. And then I think she could be like finding any points of commonality. But I don't know if she's looking for specific things. I think she also, though, was interested in tracking any information she got from the dates about herself because it made her self-conscious for a while about, you know, am I doing something that I can control that I'm not aware of right now? So 
I don't know, maybe that was a little paranoid on her part, but she hasn't found anything yet. And knowing her as a friend, I can't imagine she was very off-putting to these people. She's a fabulous person. So, yeah. (laughs) I just think online dating, like, it works for a lot of people, but I also think it's a bit of a racket because I think, like, whether or not we even realize it, we're making assumptions about the other person based on these two hours we've been together. And... You just don't know if that's true. You know what I mean? Especially when you meet someone through friends. Like, I don't know. I remember my ex-boyfriend was like pretty weird on our like first date. But our mutual friends were like, no, no, no. He's just, he's fine. You know what I mean? So it's like, but if I'd met him on the internet, I might have been like, what? You know? So it's just it's sure. not a great system. Yeah. Well, you had those friends vouching, which is a, a very good uh, key point. But then the other thing that I, I think works for a lot of people is like, this is a person that I know. It is a coworker. It is a classmate. It is a person in my neighborhood that I have observed and seen function in the world as a normal person. And hey, I kind of like them. And then, and then you've there. It's a friendship. Then it's a relationship. That seems to be a more, uh, I don't know, evolutionarily normal way of connecting, as opposed to like an audition, which seems to be what dating is today, right? Yeah. Which is the problem when your career also has auditioning in it. Uh, yes, exactly. Well, speaking of online dating, that's what today's show is all about. Today's trivia is very special because it's about the creation of online dating. And the answer to today's question can be found in a pretty good podcast that I listen to. I listen to it usually twice a week, once when I record it, once when I edit it. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's called Two Girls, One Podcast. You familiar? If you didn't say the name of our show, I'd feel betrayed. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Episode 51 of 2G1P, you, not you the listener, you, Allie and Jen, interviewed Gary Kremen, the creator of Match.com, the very first online dating website. In that interview, Gary explained the very moment when he and his colleagues at a company called Los Altos Technology got the idea that matchmaking could be viable on the internet. Today's question, which you should know the answer to, but probably forgot. (laughs) We have zero memory. What was the spark that launched the era of online dating around 1992? I have three choices for I already know the answer. Okay. I remember at least like the overall, it was Mm -hmm. the classified section, right? Okay. I think there was something to do with an email with like an administrative assistant that got passed around somehow and they thought, wouldn't it be great if we could put this in a form where like you could see something like this and choose to date them? It was about, I think it was about an email. So bonus points if I got it right. Okay. Three bonus points if you get it right. The choices are A, a piece of software code written by a female employee. B, the screen name of a female user on a popular open source web forum. Or C, an email attachment sent by a female customer. Oh, Jen's right. It's C. I was a little off, but it's C. I don't think we can diversify. I think it's C. We're, oh yeah, hard line on C. Doubling up on C. We will find out the correct answer after this commercial break. C. Craigslist. They call me Peanut. 
I am Mr. Good Times. I want to have fun with no string attached. Ladies, let's have some fun and be happy. No relationships. Why do you think they call him Peanut? His dick is the size of a peanut. <laughs> it's too on the nose. It's not what I was going for. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think you're having a good time. You're like, you might eat some peanuts like out at the baseball stadium. I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. yeah. I mean, yeah buy me some peanuts and Cracker Jack. <laughs> for sure. Glad we got that settled. Right. Yeah, that's it. Well, speaking of having a good time, remember when we interviewed the creator of online dating? Remember that? Gary Kremen. He was fantastic. Uh-huh, he was good. Uh-huh. Well, he told us the story of how he got the idea that the internet might be a good place to date. And, uh, you know, what was the spark? What was the genesis of online dating in 1992? You both went with email. That's right. Very confident in your your answer. Yes. To answer this question, we need to go to the man himself. Let's hear a clip from episode 51 of Two Girls, One Podcast. You definitely cannot talk about spices at Trader Joe's and not mention the everything with pickle seasoning. This one has really one of the greatest stories ever because I was making this for several years at home and everybody kept saying, Bert, make me some of that, make me some of that. It's the Dutch desire to maintain their monopoly on nutmeg <laughs> that makes them trade Manhattan. That's a great story, but that's it's, not. That's, right yeah, story. also, it's really true that you, that everything but the bagel seasoning is fantastic. I yes. that this morning. It's really yes, good. Yes, it is. Yeah. Thank you. Finally. Yeah. Put that on your dating profile. Yeah. I think everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dumb that. <laughs> that's like long walks on the beach. Everyone likes them. Yeah. Okay. Oh my God, the number of profiles that are like, I love to travel. I can go out <laughs> or I can stay in. I'm like, oh my God. I love food. So love to eat. <laughs> oh my God, so many. So many people say they love eating. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Of course you like eating. Some people don't like eating. I don't know. Yeah, I would... those people are even weirder. But it's just like, it's not, you're not giving me new information when you tell me, I eat three meals a day. <laughs> All right, here is the real clip from episode 51 with Gary Kremen. One day we get a purchase order uh, from Hewlett Packard. I'll never forget the day. It was like for $700. And my partner comes running in, goes, oh, my God, we just got a $700 order. And I look at it and I go, oh, look at it. It's from, it, it says from a woman. She sent it. And he goes, well, probably the admin uh, of the person who's ordering it. And I go, yeah, but do you think she's cute? <laughs> okay. All right. And then? <laughs> what are you not following here? And he goes, what are you talking about? And I go, an, an attachment's just been invented. And I said, well, what if we could convince her to take her picture to Kinko, scan it in, and send it to us? Not creepy at all. We've discussed That's on the not- podcast before, Kinko's wow. is for kink. <laughs> Well, you okay. got to remember the time. This is really back in the day. So how did you convince her? Well, I didn't, but it was the genesis of the idea that, like, why don't we use email for a dating service? And you could attach pictures and you could fill out a profile in an email form. And I can write a piece of software to 
parse through it all and then look up in a database and find the closest match. That was the genesis. You are both correct. Yeah, yes. Sticking together on C. Yeah, that story was creepy the second time around, too. I know it was. But Gary's such a good storyteller, I wanted to say that. You know, I was just yeah, hanging no, on every word. overall, but that moment was like, oh, okay. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Hashtag yeah, me, too. But- <laughs> and, and to be fair that was probably something other people were thinking and just wouldn't say out loud like oh i, I wonder if they're cute i wonder if they would take mm-hmm. their photo and send it to me but he just like said it yeah but like as something as as dumb as an email attachment like like that you know we obviously take that for granted but that was like attaching a file to an email was revolutionary in 1992 and led to Match.com, which led to Tinder, which led to uh, the cur- Allie's current dating life. Right. If you think about it. Right, right, right. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Woo. <laughs> Guys, can I share something really random before the interview begins? See yes. play. About once a month, get text messages for Dr. Gigich Corey about um, job openings. And I write back... <laughs> I write back every time, wrong number. <laughs> this time I wrote back, sure. <laughs> <laughs> What's the job? So, said, good afternoon, Dr. Gagich Corey. This is Jose Gonzalez with Weatherby Healthcare. Are you open to hearing details on upcoming primary care outpatient opportunities? <laughs> and I wrote, sure. Sure. <laughs> Listen. I've told them it's the wrong number enough times. Now is time to get fucked. <laughs> Matt, how do I play this? You did this once with uh, I want you to I want you to take it as far as you can. I, I want you to open a practice before someone actually calls you bullshit. It'd be like Nathan wrote, for you. Yeah. He wrote back great. When is be- when is a better time to reach you? Is he gonna yes. call me? I'm gonna write yeah. now, but text is preferred. <laughs> <laughs> do they think they're going to talk to someone else? Do do we assume like is this person a man and then your cover is going to get blown? You need you need someone need to you. be the voice for you. <laughs> I need you to be the voice. Maybe. Should we call him right now? Like what do you want to do? <laughs> I think we should call him. We're, we're not technologically equipped at this very moment oh, to uh, uh, to get the call right. through stay, in the way that we want to hear it, but more about my primary I, care yeah, outpatient yeah. opportunity. We, we can set this up. Yeah. <laughs> well, All folks, right. it is time for our interview. We are thrilled to have with us today the futurist Amy Webb. She's founder of the Future Today Institute. Welcome, Amy. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Valentine's Day is approaching. <laughs> um, and so, as you know, we, uh, we've already said you do so many things, um, but we wanted to dig back a number of years and talk with you about Data, a love story. And um, it's been a request from our listeners to have you talk about this. So thank you so much for being here to discuss. To discuss that crazy thing I did a long time ago. That's um, correct. Yeah. That, that, that continues to make the rounds. Yeah. You sound not pleased about it. <laughs> well, listen, I'm still happily married. You did I'm pleased still with win. the outcomes. Right. I won. You won. You won. Yeah. You won the game. So... I hacked. I won. But yeah. Well, okay. We know you've told the story a million times, but for our listeners who haven't heard, yeah. is there just like a really simple? Here's what boiler- you missed on. 
Here, here's what you missed on Glee version of my love life. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> if you could sing it, that would be fantastic. Yeah. Wait, hey, let me let me give you this one. Hold on, hold on. Previously on Data, a love story. <laughs> so actually, the story does involve some singing. Um, <laughs> uh, drunk singing that I will explain. Excellent. So the short end of the story is that I had been living overseas for many years. I was in Japan and, uh, you know, I was thinking at some point I'm going to want to get married and settle down. And that was part of the impetus for me moving back to the U S. Um, but the, when I moved back to the United States, I, I had a boyfriend who was pretty serious at that point. And, uh, he had asked me to marry him. I had said, I don't know, man, we haven't been going out that long, but let's think about it. It was very passionate, very exciting. Then it ended and it ended because it turns out, uh, he was cheating on me. He had another girlfriend, um, which was, which was super awesome. Let me tell you. He asked Um, you to marry him while he was dating someone else. (laughs) He did. He proposed like every girl wants after drinking beer and eating pizza in pajamas, uh, in an otherwise like totally unremarkable evening, he had ripped the, um, the label off of the pizza box and like fashioned it into a ring, which I was, you know, I fidget a lot. So that wasn't like, I what my like spidey senses weren't up at that point. Um, (laughs) until he like looked at me with it and I was like, Oh, I I don't know. I, and then I was like, "Uh, Oh no, no, it's been like three months. Um, now is not appropriate. And you have another girlfriend. (laughs) Well, he didn't at that point, but he definitely, you know, we were, we were not matched well. When I found all of this out, it was pretty bad. Uh, I'm, I didn't have another place to live. We were living together, obviously. Oh no. Um, you know, <laughs> at some point it's like, well, I'm supposed to start dating again. I don't know how to do that exactly. Cause I missed my twenties, you know, all the, like the time that I would have been doing all that dating. I was in a different country. Um, and my sister and my mother and everybody said, you know, why don't you try online dating? And on the face of it, it made sense to me because there was a higher statistical probability of meeting somebody online that was likely to be single, I thought, than relying on serendipity, right? Wandering around bars or wherever and hoping to meet somebody. So that made sense. I started going out on dates with an open mind and they were pretty awful. Like every one of them was pretty horrible. And then it got to the point where they, they were so bad. Yeah. I feel you. Right. This is all happening, uh, in 2005. So this goes back a ways, but it was so bad. Um, and I was complaining and everybody's like, you're so picky. Like, you know, you just have to like relax your standard, not relax your standards, but you, you know, like, what do you expect? Uh, and what I was like, expect? I don't know. I like, <laughs> I expect not have a guy suddenly talk about how impotent he is while like smoking a bowl, you know, like work with cops like 50 feet away. What the fuck, you know? Like, but Amy. I don't think that's my, my <laughs> standards are all that high. I don't know. I mean, that, that pales in comparison to the story from your TED talk about the dinner bill that yeah, was over a thousand dollars. At some point I started collecting data and all of these dates. Because nobody believed me. And I started counting different things that I thought were horrible. And and they ranged from like, I I don't like high fives in general. I think it's a stupid way to express your enthusiasm. It hurts. (laughs) Like you have to put your arm in the air. People smell. 
You know, that just wafts the smell in your direction. And that's like a uniquely American thing that's gotten passed around the world. But it's a good way to spread germs. It's like if you're like enthusiastic, if you want to touch me, like put your hand on my knee. Like there are ways to do it that are less, um, I don't know, like sweaty and gross and potentially smelly and offensive. So you're right. We can do better than high fives. I agree. We could do better. <laughs> can we get rid of handshakes while we're at it? That would be we great could do too. that. Yeah, we could do that too. But okay. I, uh, so I was counting, I was counting stuff like people making me high five them and simple misuses of grammar. I started collecting all this data and I started running all these correlations to prove to my friends and my family that it wasn't me. You know, like I was able to, at some point tell you the correlation between the type of alcohol being drunk and that night and, um, the, how quickly a, a sexual reference would come up and like spot Scotch drinkers overwhelmingly started talking about like kinky sex within the first, like very, very quickly into the date. Um, so these online dating sites at the time, and this is pre okay Cupid and, you know, pre Tinder, um, promised algorithmic matching, which would assume that they are using the data that are, being put in by us as we answer questions and that they're matching that data on the other end and ostensibly maybe even looking at behavioral data, which means like trying to understand how you click and what you're clicking around on the site versus what you're saying you want. But it was pretty clear the night of this, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the infamous night, infamous night, um, that that is not what was happening. So I show up at this restaurant, this guy, knows everybody. You know, he's on a first name basis with the maitre d. He knows the waiters. He's all very into food. He really is super into wine. He certainly had a lot of detailed opinions on all the menu items. So I was like, whatever, man. Um, he was not my type. I knew that moments after meeting him, but I figured whatever we'll have, maybe we'll be friends, right? We'll have dinner, meet each other. So we go through this meal and he's ordered like a bottle of wine he ordered a couple of appetizers, you, you know, ordered entree, he ordered for me. You know, at the time I was on a budget. I had to budget myself and we were at a restaurant that was a little nicer. I would not have ordered all that anyways, let alone the budget that I was living on. And yeah. so anyhow, we get through this dinner. Um, he excuses himself to go to the bathroom. Bill comes and he never returns. I And that dinner was uh, a it was pretty close up to the amount of rent that I owed that month. That month, I um, can't believe it. It was over a thousand dollars. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty bad. It was, you know, who who does that? I, I don't know. My hunch is that that I like that guy's probably still single. He's probably in jail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, there's a bad date, and then there's a crime. Like he he basically he robbed you in a way. Well, yeah. so th this this wound up being a bad night. <laughs> At this point, I was very frustrated. I popped open a bottle of wine. I call my sister and this, this comes to the, the moment of song. My sister's an opera singer. She's fabulous. She is super popular. She's got amazing friends. And she, at this point, uh, I guess it was probably nine 30 or 10. She was out at a dinner party at her fabulous friends's house. Um, and I'm, you know, drunk and crying and miserable. And I think she was probably trying to get me off the phone. And so she was like, hey, do you remember how we used to watch Mary Poppins? So she's singing A Spoonful of Sugar. And I'm like, yes, I, yes, I remember that. Thank you. It's comforting. 
Um, she, she's like, remember how the kids made that nanny list and uh, they put down everything they, they wanted, you know, the demanded in the nanny and then the dad, you know, ripped it up and it sucked up the chimney and then somehow it magically came together and Mary Poppins showed up. She's like, why don't you make a list? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Mary Poppins boyfriend, I'll do that. <laughs> and um, She's just trying to get me off the phone. She hangs up. I go on a three-day bender, coming up with every single possible quality that I could think of in a guy. So what were some of the things you were writing? Like I was looking for somebody that had a like cr- super thick, curly, uh, I guess we're all friends, right? Very Jewy. <laughs> kind of like Jew. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jew. I would say that I'm Jew-ish. Um, I'm not particularly observant, but uh, but I'm, you know, I was raised Jewish. So I was looking for somebody who was similarly Jew-ish, you know, like wasn't going to need to go to shul every week, um, but had the same sort of ideas on religion that I do. One of the criteria was like, must weigh 20 pounds more than me at any time, regardless of how much I weigh. Um, (laughs) Things like that. I had very specific, like, must not be into Broadway musicals and especially not Cats. Um, um, but they like could be into chess, the musical that like, that's okay. Um, so it was a lot of really specific things, some of which were kind of superfluous and some of which were important, like the value of productivity in work and like putting work first, you know, that, that kind of stuff that, that matters. Um, and then I have this giant list of 72 things. I'm very pleased with myself and realized, uh, I'm ready to go date again. So I like do, 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 I go back online. <laughs> so hopeful. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, I'm like, I got it all sorted out. I'm good to go now. And uh, I start clicking around and I'm like, huh, I hadn't left the house in several days. I looked real bad at this point, like real bad. <laughs> and I caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror and I'm like, ah, oh, even if I find somebody with all these qualities, like they're going to look at me and say, you know, like, I wonder what my competition is. So at this point, I, so again, this is back in whatever, 2006, 2004, five, somewhere. There was no way to see what the other competition was. And if this was in any other work-related circumstance, I would be doing a big, huge data project, right? Where I would try to get all the variables together. So I couldn't see what the women look like. So instead, I created a blank uh, profile as a man. I didn't put any information in it just so that I could look around. And and that's when everything got worse. Oh, no. <laughs> because I was like, come on. I um, I was on a Jewish dating website called JDate. And uh, I hate to judge a book by its cover, but I'm going to. I mean, these were like, these were, these were not Jewish women. They just weren't. Uh, they're what you call a shiksa. These are not people who understand what it's like to sit in a perfectly like temperature controlled, perfectly fine room and have ants screaming at each other because it's too hot. It's too cold. It's like, it's like they don't have that cultural touch point. And uh, I got pissed because I'm like, how the fuck am I going to compete against this woman with blonde hair and blue eyes who sounds perky and happy and is throwing around Yiddish words in ways that make absolutely no sense, <laughs> uh, but is like every Jewish guy's like hot dream. Because in Judaism, there's this loophole where you can convert. I've got genetic, I've, you know, I look 
like if you call central casting and you need a Jewish woman from the East Coast, I'm what's going to show up in your search, <laughs> which is not, I don't think, what a lot of men are looking for. I want to know the <laughs> the bios where they're like yeah. like saying like, I love my matzahs on toast oh, no, or no, something. No, no, like- it was, uh, that's a good question. It was the thing that that like finally set me off the edge. <laughs> was like five people are going to, who are listening are going to understand this. The thing that like, that where I like blew a gasket was not the constant use of fun. They were using happy, peppy, optimistic words in ways that they weren't intended. And I found that super annoying. They're teachers, they're, they love kids. I'm the girl next door. I love football and like sports. And I love to go to the bar and drink beer. And I'm like, no, you fucking don't. Like, I know you don't. Right. Come on. But so, that's the game. They're playing the game. Yeah, well the extremely thing that set me well. what set me over the edge was not that. It was the 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 rampant misuse of the word beshert. So <laughs> besh- yeah, like right, like like five people get are going to get this. Beshert is a is a way of saying somebody that you're like destined for. Um but huh. literally nobody says that. You would never be like, "Oh, my beshert." If you're a perky-breasted 25-year-old talking about how much you like to watch football in a bar and you've got blonde hair and blue eyes, that's a weird thing to say. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm with you So we're all on the same page here. Yeah. So I was like, how in the hell am I supposed to compete against this? As I do when I get very upset, um, what tends to happen is I get very focused and then I start coming up with uh, solutions to, to the problem. So the solution that I came up with was, I know what I want. I've got to figure out who else in this entire ecosystem is going to want the same thing. And then once I figure that out, I have to figure out, I have to game it, right? And I have to figure out what bits of me that are truthful can I play up in order to compete against these other variables, right? These other women. And I knew at this point that these systems are not matching us in any meaningful way. So I came up with my own algorithm um, I took those 72 data points because it was a lot and, and developed a weighted system based on the items that were the most important to me that, that I thought would result in a long-term healthy relationship. So I had three different tiers in a weighted scoring system of my own. And it was, there was like a point system. So you had to have a certain number of points in order to sort of qualify to go out with you. Were you scoring off their profiles or was it after conversation with them? So the beginning was just based on the data in their profiles. And then I continued to score afterwards. What that allowed me to do was to create 10, 10 profiles that had different sets of variables and different clusters, you know, because if, if there's like 72 data points and there's whatever, 20 or so that matter a lot, there's different permutations. So I was trying to figure out all of the different possible permutations in a way that was manageable I could have scraped all of the data off the site, but that would have broken the terms of service, which I was not interested in doing. So instead, I decided to let a bunch of profiles run just to see who was clicking on them. So there was no catfishing. There was no stringing women along. I wasn't interacting with them. I was just trying to see where the clicks were registering. And then once I figured that out and saw who the people were that were doing the clicking, that gave me some sense of what the commonalities were in all of these women so that I would make myself just as attractive as them on the site. And, and sorry, Amy, just just to clarify for listeners, three 
fake male profiles just set on autopilot to see who was coming yeah. in to 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 check in check in on them. Yeah, and there were there were actually ten. Ten. But yeah, and uh, I I just let them let them go basically. Um, and after about a month, I had I felt like I had enough data that I could then go back and look at my own profile, you know. And I realized I had made some what I what I learned were pretty common mistakes, but mistakes that I think a lot of professional women make, which is if you're an accomplished, hardworking woman, you tend to lead with those accomplishments or you have imposter syndrome and you completely dumb them down and and don't talk about them at all. And the truth is that if you're looking for somebody as I was, you know, who's going to challenge you and stimulate you and excite you and everything else, that's going to be the kind of person probably who's going to want to know about that stuff. You just can't write you know, 2000 words. And what I had done originally was that I had copied and pasted from my resume because I don't like, I was, yeah, I know, I know, like in retrospect, it was not the great right way to put myself out there. But um, I, I just wanted to get to the point where I could see the profiles. And I thought it was really stupid to answer all of these. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I don't fucking care. Like that's not, (laughs) that doesn't matter to me. So I really, messed up at the beginning of the process by not taking my time and create, you know, like taking photos that were good for those websites and putting some thought into how I was presenting myself. Sorry. I'm so, I'm such an alien here because I've never done online dating in my, you know, I've never dated in my adult life, but that men are looking for fun and carefree things and that women are looking for that too, but like that an accomplished professional woman woman would be either afraid to present herself as such or that she would get no bites if she did so. And that is so perplexing, but also like, okay, I I guess I see why that would be a problem too. I think we talk a lot in generalities and I think everybody's looking for different things. The problem is that we tend to answer questions about what we want in life aspirationally rather than honestly, mm-hmm. you know, or we say, well, I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going to bump into the right person. I mean, the analogy that I used to use was for people who didn't understand, would you just go to the grocery store with no list and buy your groceries for the week? You know, we all know people who do that. And if they do that on an empty stomach, what winds up happening? You, you bought all this stuff that you shouldn't eat, that you don't want to eat, you overspent. Likewise, if you go to the grocery store with a list that just says, produce and meat, what are you possibly going to do there? I mean, what are you Mm -hmm. looking for? Mm -hmm. I think the challenge is that it's really hard to come to terms with what's going to make you happy. If you don't figure out for yourself what exactly it is that you want in serious detail, the probability that you're going to bump into the right person for you or or the right enough person you know, those numbers are real challenging. I, I, I ran, I did all of the math when I lived in Philadelphia. <laughs> I had like a one in 36 chance of, of bumping into the right possible person. So I still wanted the ability to fall in love and everything else, but I just, I wanted some objective set of guidelines. I wanted an algorithm to help me make that decision. So I was able to mine and refine and learn from all of this data. And and that allowed me to optimize my own profile. And so I recreated my profile on the dating site with totally truthful information. There was nothing that was uh, made up or exaggerated or false. It was just different. Um, And I had new photos. And it was me, but it was the me that was going to perform well on that website. And as a result of that, 
uh, I was highly competitive and became the, the most popular profile on that site for a while. It's the only time in my entire life I've ever been popular <laughs> after this. And uh, lots of people wanted to go out with me and I refused to go out with all of them, um, which drove everybody that I knew absolutely crazy. And the reason was because none of them had reached the minimum number of points. And I just felt like no matter how cute this guy is or how good he sounds on paper, the bottom line is he hasn't met the minimum number of points. So why bother wasting my time? And so I did that for several weeks. And then I was like, well, maybe I've made a mistake here because the point of this was to go out with somebody. And I keep saying no. And on a fateful day, I decided to change the radius. So a lot of the dating sites, you know, you say specify the the radius of distance. Um, And I changed it from, I think, 25 miles to 100 miles. And the very first person that popped up on the list, met my physical criteria. So he, uh, he, I thought he was really good looking and I went into his profile. It was funny. He, we shared some stuff in common and right off the bat, he scored like the minimum number of points. And, uh, we started chatting and talked on the phone and I didn't want to meet with him until I, I knew that he was going to, you know, that he, he would sort of get to the next set of points so that it was worthwhile spending time and and going out on a date. Also, I should mention, he did not live in Philadelphia. He lived in Baltimore, which is exactly 100 miles door to door. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyhow, uh, at some point, you know, he had scored a lot of points and we decided to go out on a date. And that turned out in Baltimore. He came up to Philly. He came to Philly. And that turned out to be the last first date that I ever went on. And that was... How many years has it been? 14 years ago. And it was a 14-hour long date. I mean, it was amazing. What time did the date uh, it was start? Great. <laughs> the date started at... 5.30 uh, a.m. sharp. It was, it was actually November 4th, and it was uh, like late morning. And um, uh, I decided to walk in heel... It was a series of bad mistakes on my part. Uh, it was hot. I was wearing corduroy for reasons I don't still don't understand. <laughs> Um, and we decided, I decided we should go to the, um, it's called the, I forget what it's called, Body Worlds or something. And yeah, with human body. show, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh He's an eye doctor. So I thought, okay, if the conversation lulls, I'll just like point to some part of a human anatomy and I'll be like, hey, what's this blobby (laughs) thing? Uh, what I did not know is that the reason that he's an optometrist and not an ophthalmologist is because of, uh, blood um, he gets, he, he has a really hard, he's one of those people that gets immediately sick, which I didn't know. So we show up, I'm hot, I'm nervous. I've essentially decided before I get there that this is probably the guy and it's got to go well. Um, and <laughs> I start, I don't fuck it up. I'm sweating to, I, I was like sweating to the point where I could not stop. Uh, and then that caused me to get panicky. And then I started having a panic attack while the two of us, so I'd like see him, I stumble up the stairs to the Franklin Institute, um, embarrassed, but, but unshaken, you know, like we stand on the line to get tickets. It's an unusually hot day. It's hot in the space. I cannot stop sweating. I mean, bad, like for pouring down from my head, like weird <laughs> amounts of sweat, which doesn't normally happen, but I was in the middle of having, uh, a panic attack and the way that I get uh, that I deal with anxiety is that I, I do really complicated math problems in my head. So 
for the first, I don't know, 10 minutes or so, um, I'm doing super complicated long division problems, thinking about equations and <laughs> nodding very politely with what, I don't know what he was saying, but I was like, oh, yeah, interesting. And I'm just trying to like hold my shit together. I finally calmed down. We get into the exhibit, all the color dropped out of us. Like we, we got to the first body, uh. all the color <laughs> drops out. He, uh, he's like, Hey, I'm going to, um, uh, I'll catch up with you later. And I'm like, fuck, like, I really like this guy. What's wrong with me? What's like, am I is it, is it horrible? Am I sweating bad? Does he know I just had a panic attack? And, um, he, he went, I followed him. He goes over and sits down on this bench in the hallway. Oh my gosh. And he's just sitting there with his head between his legs. And I was like, you know, we could go somewhere else or, uh, and he's like, no, no, I just need a few minutes. He's not saying anything. I don't know if he's a diabetic. I got no information at this point. And, uh, it turns out he had his own version of a panic attack. It's called a vasovagal response, um, because of the blood in the guts. So after, and it was hot, um, that was the other issue. And it turns out he was nervous too. So after we both had our panic attacks, um, that was the first hour we decided to leave. And then we had a wonderful rest of the date. At what point did you tell your husband he had the minimum number of points? <laughs> <laughs> so there were two key pieces of information that I had withheld. Um, the first was that, uh, that I had withheld from him. The first was that I had made this crazy list um, and that he, he was the result of that list. The second was that my mother at that point was dying and she had been diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer and my family is from Chicago. And at some point, you know, we probably had maybe a year left. We honestly didn't know, but that was going to have a pretty big impact on me, you know, going forward. So, and also like there was a lot of calling, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to tell anybody about him because I didn't want to, I don't know. I felt like I'd curse it in some way if I started talking about him or my family would intervene and go crazy and make him go crazy. So on the fourth date, you know, he, it, it felt like, it, cause again, I, we were commuting, I was in Philadelphia, he was in Baltimore and we were seeing each other on these amazing long weekend dates. And I said, I, I got two things to tell you. The first is that my mother's very sick and that, you know, I'm probably going to be making a lot of trips back and forth to Chicago. It's going to impact me. You know, he's so sorry to hear this. Um, and I guess at this point he's waiting for the other shoe to drop. And I said, the other thing is I got to show you this list. Uh, and so I, you know, pulled it out of my bag I'd, and I had handwritten the whole thing and I showed it to him and I also showed him the score because I kept scoring him. In fact, I kept scoring him for the, right up until we got married. Um, and, uh, he had that same look on his face, went white, pale, and had that same really, um, almost sick look on his face. And I just thought, oh no, not again. This time it must mean that I've I've really screwed everything up. But I felt like it'd be lying if I hadn't told him. And uh, eventually, he uh, <laughs> he started smiling, and I said, "Is everything okay?" And he goes, "You know, it's like you conjured me up, because there's only one thing out of these seventy-two things that does not describe me, and that one thing was that uh, he was not living in or from Chicago." And the reason that I had that on the list was because I thought I was going to be moving back to be with my to be with my mom. Um, when it and it turned out uh, 
that turned out not to be necessary. So that was on date four. That was on date four. See, what's interesting about that is that, like, I could see someone being freaked out by that, even if you're a great match. You know what I mean? Yep. <laughs> One of the criteria was must um, must appreciate what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, must appreciate uh, like a beautifully handcrafted spreadsheet or something. There was something related to data. Uh-huh. You know, he, he, um, I think, I think the fact, I think it gave him some reassurance, you know, that, um, cause he's a, he's a catch, you know, and he had gone out. So just like I had been going out with all of these people and having horrible dates, he had also been going out with people and having horrible dates in different ways. And, and, um, you know, there were women who were going out with him for the wrong reasons and, you know, um, so I think part of what reassured him at that point was that I was there for the right reasons. Can you imagine like reading a list of qualities that describe exactly you and having, having the person that you like hand that to you and tell you this is your dream person? Yes, kind of romantic. Yeah. And it's also like a victory of like, look at all these points I scored. Like I'm the winner. Yeah. Like, well, that, that's a... that, well mm, kind of. No? Uh, <laughs> because at some point he was like, well, wait a minute. How come I didn't score the full points in like, this category? <laughs> uh, and I was like, well, because yeah, yeah. I don't know the answer to that yet. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, but the but continued scoring was important because I wanted to I wanted to allow myself to get swept up and fall in love and have this amazing and we did we had this like amazing romance and I would argue we still do but um I I wanted to keep my head straight you know uh which is why I kept going back to the data you you meet you get married it, that works out you you wrote a book <laughs> about this and you gave a TED talk yeah what was uh, the wider public's reaction. This book and this TED Talk sort of took on a, a life of their own. Uh, and at one point, the, my TED Talk was like the in-flight entertainment for Delta. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, it's a little bit of a cringy story, and I, I recognize that some of what I did is a little unorthodox. Overwhelmingly, the women were like, um, you know, this is great. Uh, it validates some of the insecurities that I had and some of the things I've been thinking. It gives me hope for the future. I'm like ready to get out there and start dating. Everything's going to be fine. Um, that was not the case, however, with uh, a group of men um, who uh, trolled me pretty hard. The day before the book came out, a bunch of people had written some horrifically bad reviews. I mean, real bad that the, to this day are still live on Amazon's website. And I know, I know exactly who, who was on the list that got all of the pre-read copies. So I know, like I, and I was able to trace the IPs. Like I, I know that these were just a bunch of people who heard the talk and heard the story and were, uh, really upset that a woman had turned the tables on a man and on the dating process. And there are horrifically awful things there. Um, uh, My Wikipedia page, which I did not start and I don't edit, but exists um, because I'm a public person, uh, got vandalized a bunch. I got death threats uh, sent to my home. Wow. I got men were, there were not all men, but but there were some men that were just uh, violently angry that I had judged them the way that women, men have been judging women for so long. And it was a little, you know, and, and, and there, there were obviously a lot of very anti-Semitic pieces to this. A lot of comments made about the way that I look. Ultimately, I decided that there's, 
I must have done something right. I, I did, and I know that I did something right telling the story because it became such a touch point for so many people, uh, and overwhelmingly, it helped people. Um, and you know, it offended the sensibilities of of a handful of of men who are angry about other things, anyways. Ah, the incels of the world. <laughs> yeah, um, well, that's like that's real. You know, that's real. Yeah. On the positive end of it, the feedback that you're getting from people who had helped, what are some of the things that they say to you? Is has it given them perspective? Like, what what do you hear? Do you have yeah. a lot of people telling you they found their match through this system? Yep. Yeah, I and I never like honestly this whole thing. The book happened because for I told a couple of people and they were like, "Hey, you should tell the story. It's a great book." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, fine." That that's how that happened. You know, in my day job, I am a quantitative futurist. My job is to model long-term risk and opportunity. Um, I am not a dating coach. <laughs> uh, and like I said, this this whole thing took on this weird life of its own. I had Bravo producers hounding me for a while uh-huh. about being the next millionaire matchmaker wow. and like being on a show. <laughs> um, I had- What are you doing? You turned yeah, it all down? I know, right? Crazy me. Also, modeling- quantitatively modeling long-term risk. I mean, that's literally what marriage is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Well, but it is. Um, I love the idea of you having your own dating show, but like yeah. not leaning into totally. the reality trash part of it all, just literally getting like normal people <laughs> oh, who are like, I don't know, I've been on a million dates. What am I going to do? Allie, let's, let's, talk, let's talk trash for a moment. You know that show Below Deck? Oh, I saw a preview no. for it. It's like a, a yachting oh, yeah. so reality a- show. Yeah. It's a, it's a <laughs> yachting reality show. So I got um, aggressively aggressively um, <laughs> hounded to be one of the, like the person who rents the yacht. And I was like, first of all, what the fuck gives you the idea that I've got, uh, you know, however much it is, like $300,000 <laughs> laying around to, uh, to, and then, and then also that I would spend money for the privilege of your producers making fun of me on national television. Like that, what part of this makes any sense to anybody? <laughs> I think the, the biggest takeaway for everybody, as far as I can tell, is having a sense of permission that it's okay to articulate what you want. You know, like it's okay to do that, even if the things that you want feel embarrassing or whatever. If if you feel like you're not worthy of those things, that you know, here's this like crazy woman that <laughs> that did this uh, and then told the entire world. And by the way, published the list, which you know mm. I might not have done today, but. You know, I think it's given them permission to do the same thing. So, yeah. Are you guys uh, Are you guys dating? Uh, that's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, I, I think I'm going to go on a man ban. I, I don't think I can do it anymore. What have you, have you been using uh, any down. online? Are you doing oh, like an o- okay Cupid or what are you what are you using? I've been through all of them. So I didn't have to swipe. There was no swiping when I did all of this. There was just click, you know. So I mean that's the thing is the most popular ones nowadays there aren't enough data points to input. Yeah, so when mm. the when the swiping left and right phenomenon happened and it was yeah. sort of an insta uh, approach to dating, I thought that was much more similar to a real life experience. Cause if you swipe with your eyes mm-hmm. when you're out in public. Right. Um, but it does require a lot more work on your end to then get to the point where you know whether or not that person is somebody you want to keep talking huh. to, you know, there's a certain amount of tyranny of choice. 
um, where you start, especially if you live in a big urban area, you get duped into believing there's always a bigger, better deal. Um, and I think that indecision is, is really a plague. I mean, I think it really, and it was a problem for me a little bit too, even though I had this crazy system. Um, but I think swiping and the endless, seemingly endless possibility, the seemingly endless stream of potential people that you could go out with has made it hard to focus on what you want. Yeah. Among other things. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for diving into your past with us. It's been great to have you this Valentine's day, even if it is a terrible, terrible Hallmark holiday. (laughs) It is a terrible Hallmark holiday. Can I tell you one last thing that maybe nobody knows? Let's Um, hear it. So this whole crazy story is being turned into a movie. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. So, uh, did you guys see my big fat Greek wedding? Yes. Yeah. So the, the person who starred in that, and it was the writer and director wrote the screenplay, the story adapted from my book. It's a all woman uh, production crew, and I think it's supposed to start filming this spring. Wow, that's yeah. so cool. Well, that's fun. Yeah, I, I was literally going to say like you know you turned down all this all this reality bullshit, it's but a, this a is a fantastic rom com. Yeah. Well, but I also turned down. Um, Oh my God. I can't tell you who it was. There was a (laughs) lot of excitement around this book and it was, the option was all over the place. Um, it was originally with producers who produced one of the the biggest blockbusters of the, of the 2010s. The adaptation was written by a screenwriter who has won some awards. It seemed like a weird group to tackle this kind of a rom-com, which is much more of a sort of heady, self-deprecating. Like if it was Larry David, I could like, that makes sense to me. But like this crew did not make sense. I, I made it through the first three quarters of the first page and I pulled the plug on it. Well, congratulations. It's so cool. We'll look out for it. That's amazing. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you so much, Amy, for being with us and happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day to you. Well, it was so empowering to hear how she took it into her own hands and reverse engineered everything. But man, that must have taken a lot of time. We actually didn't ask yeah, her. Empowering for you. Yeah. It was overwhelming for me. I was like, do I have to do this? When would I? I'm like literally thinking through my weeks. I'm like, I wouldn't have time to do that till April. And then who knows what April's going to bring. <laughs> yeah, I guess we should have maybe asked about like, how do how do we apply that? Like, how does anybody apply that? <laughs> Well, my question for you, Ali, since you're, you know, sort of still sort of half using the apps or not, is that maybe you can't apply this because Tinder is just like a photo and a one line bio. You can't know someone's work ethic and their movie preferences like this is just not part of the ecosystem unless there's another way. Yeah, I feel so, so burdened by this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I will say that when I met Adam, all I we, we swiped, and all I could tell was that he looked like a kind person by the, his smile and the photos that he chose to put. And I thought he was attractive, obviously, but um, you know, it was like a photo with his grandmother. I just was real. I was into the photos. He seemed nice. And then when we communicated, that's what really got me. It's that he had the most encouraging communication of anyone I had ever uh, chatted with on that app. So those were the two things I noticed. But. We might have to edit this out because I don't know if you want me sharing this, but well, you guys both say this, that you weren't necessarily like super smitten with each other immediately. Like it took a while, which yeah. I think makes sense. Right. We didn't but have- But I think people want this like amazing immediate connection. What you did is kind of the opposite of using the data. You were like, well, 
I don't know if we're compatible, but we'll keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, what's kind of funny is I remember in therapy, I talked about that for a while about like the power of a fir- the first time you meet somebody and like how important in the past that used to be to me. But I was really questioning it at that, you know, around the time that I met him. And we both say, I think we just didn't have like those things that hit would hit you over the head typically like, oh, he's a musician. And I'd be like, yeah, I love musicians. Like, you know, just like those <laughs> stupid things that like would get you or whatever it is for him. Like, sh- I don't know, whatever it would be for him. We didn't have those, but we were definitely attracted to each other. We just had to like dis- discover it. <laughs> the trappings weren't there. That's all. <laughs> right. But like with online yeah. dating, people want to have like this immediate connection yeah. But I think like in the olden days, yeah, you would like meet someone at work and get to know them. It's what we're talking about at the top as well. Totally. I'm so floored by this idea that like, oh, you know, he had this unique quality like kindness and <laughs> niceness. And I'm like, is it really that fucking bad? Yeah, it's that bad <laughs> out there, man. Damn. You're so lucky you never had to do this. <laughs> well, you know, maybe part of it's what she had to say about like aspirational and the way that people like present themselves that a lot of it sure. just seems really fake. But I think maybe the kindness I sense was like, it just seemed real. I was like, this seems like a down to earth person who's posting like normal photos. Right. <laughs> he's, he's not like, trying to right. be anything he's not, you know, <laughs> right, right. at least as far hmm. as I can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, Cupid and all those others with like more questions still exist. But like, I guess they're still there and there's still probably plenty of people on them. I don't know. Right. Maybe that gets to the heart of my question. The thing that struck me about Amy's mission here was not only did she know what she wanted in a companion, but she was specifically looking for a long-term life partner, husband relationship. Like that was the the stated mission and goal. And therefore she created the list as such. So you know, when you, and I'm asking you personally, uh, Ali, are you looking for, you know, the life partner or are you just looking for, uh, you know, uh, a really like a, you know, more casual relationship? No, I definitely want to be permanently done with this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's been true for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If that is what you're looking for, then you hopefully can at least apply some of Amy's me- mentality or process to like, you should well, make your list, right? I've been doing the opposite right? lately where I'm like, I should be open-minded right, to people that right, I want. You right. know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. But maybe I but, shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I should be very close-minded. <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, the other thing that blew me away about Amy's story was that uh, who the fuck knows what would make a good life partner? Meaning, I think when you're dating and especially when you're young, you're like, I know who I'm attracted to and I know the qualities. And you think... That like I I love action movies, so I want to date someone who also loves action movies. Yeah, whereas when, like actually, who gives a fuck if you love who, action movies? Right. Yeah, you, you can sh- watch you those actually, alone. Those are silent anyway. You're just watching. Exactly. <laughs> so I think people don't know what makes a good life partnership at all, and therefore can't even make the list. Yeah, it's kind of a wild idea, really, that you're gonna find someone and then keep hanging out. Until you die, you know, that's really it's, it's wild. Yeah. Or until they die. Yeah. So one of you dies. So you're, you're we're going to hang out almost every day until one of us is dead. There's your profile. That's what you should write. Looking for someone to hang out with me until I die. Must like action movies. But there's also no tone. I don't know why people haven't done video profiles yet. I know. Oh, God. Yeah. 
It'd be tough because huh. then they'd be like, oh, man, and then people are up in the game on their video profile and how you edit that. But you'd know pretty quickly what they actually look like and you'd get kind yeah. of more of a vibe of their personality. Yeah. I, I, I was going through a phase where I was trying to get dudes to video chat with me for 15 minutes before we meet in person, but nobody wanted to do it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I was like, I'm saving us both time. You might hate yeah. me. <laughs> it's our what introductory consultation. Like loud <laughs> yeah. people. Like, yeah. Why doesn't that exist? That's so interesting. Okay, start it up. It's a really it. good idea. Yeah. Well, y'all, we want to hear what you think and what your experiences have been. Any data points that you think are essential in finding long-term love. Um, you can also, tweet- if I yeah. hit all your data points, uh, tweet me. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna do it from now on. <laughs> Where can they find you? You can you can tweet me at Allie Gold if I hit all 77 of your data points. What was your number? Uh, yeah, and then we'll see if you hit mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm uh, only tweet me uh, if you want to suggest show. show I don't know. Cool. No, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm at Junebugger. Um, you can email us at two g one podcast at gmail dot com. You can also text us and or leave us a voicemail. Our favorite thing in the world. Either of those things. Uh, that number is three four seven eight seven one six five four eight. That number again three four seven eight seven one six lit. And join us on our Discord server, discord.gg/2g1p, where listeners of the show are congregating to talk about today's show, uh, also suggesting show topics and guests and questions. So please join us there. Ali, if they want to contribute, how do they do it? You can go to patreon.com slash 2G1P and please do. I know it looks like we're doing just fine, but uh, this Valentine's Day, you should give us your money. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you next time. Is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Ben meticulously scored on a 12-point rubric and promptly rejected. I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. Speaking of meticulously scoring this show, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen? Your review helps other people find the show and could be the key in turning this fun little experiment into a million-dollar podcast empire. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Let's have some fun.